It was the best of times. It was the blast of times. I think I was allergic to this movie. I'm gonna get ya, but I'll make it look like a bloody accident. Time to die. of some beer that's nearly finished. I wish we had more beer. We need more beer. Welcome to another episode of Cursed or Blessed. Um, we've just finished watching 2003 yeah. Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we're in a particular kind of mood. When I came in to the apartment earlier on, Shannon, wasn't I in a very good mood? Because I'd been listening to a playlist we made, and the first song was Stacey's Mum, and then it immediately cut to Teenage Dirtbag on shuffle on a playlist full of, like, hundreds of songs, and I thought it was perfectly harmonious and right and good, and I was very happy. Wasn't I blissful, Shannon? You were blissful, and wasn't I blissful because I was editing the first chapter of my novel and finally got on a roll? We were both blissful for very different reasons, but we were there. We were having a good day. We fucking ruined it, didn't we? We did. We made a mistake, and I didn't buy enough beer, which was my first mistake. (laughs) Okay, so I chose the cat in the cat. The cat in the hat. Because I remember watching it a few times as a kid, and not hating it, but not loving it. You know, and I thought, this is probably a cursed or blessed territory film. Shannon had not seen it, and she's always ragging on Cats the Musical. Ragging on it. There are worse cats out there in the world, and I think one of them is called Mike Myers. This, I didn't watch this movie as a kid, and I'm glad. I think I'd be different today if I'd seen this as a child. Yeah, well, maybe the way that I am is informed by the fact that I had to watch this more than one time. This is the worst movie. Ever? Or that we've seen so far? It's just the worst one. It does have 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's pretty bad stakes. It's pretty bad, but it, it doesn't deserve those 9%. <laughs> it deserves less. <laughs> it deserves to have its tomatoes taken away from it, rotten or otherwise. Yeah, no tomatoes for the cat. But not to give too much of the game away, because we might just be doing a red herring and we might have actually loved the film. <laughs> we started off okay. We tried to go into this with an open mind, even though we watched the trailer and I was deeply upset by it. But we tried our best, and for the first, like, 15 minutes, the cat's not in it, and it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's not good, but it's fine. The set design was very good. Some, some Lots of pastel colors. Some people worked very hard on stylizing that set, and all the little trees and everything. Yeah. And their time was wasted. And I feel for them. Because <laughs> they didn't deserve this. They did a very professional job. They did. While kids may have liked it at the time, I was certainly around other children that derived entertainment and value and joy from this film. And isn't that what matters, Shannon? I don't think it is. I think you can derive joy from films that are less deeply upsetting. Do you not care about children's happiness, though, Shannon? I don't. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The happiness of children is irrelevant to me. That, yeah. 
<laughs> That's is, fair. This is Cursed or Blurst. Welcome to Cursed or Blurst. <laughs> so what is a cat in the hat about, you ask? Well, are you familiar with Dr. Suess? <laughs> with Theodore Geisel's seminal work? Do you... Cat in the Hat is a charming tale by American storyteller Dr. Zeus, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And he, it just his work got bastardized in the early 2000s, let me tell you. We did a little bit of Googling, not very much because we didn't want to think about this too hard, but we did determine that Jim Carrey's The Grinch came out three years before this movie, and I do very much think they are akin to each other, but I don't remember The Grinch being this deeply evil. No. When the Grinch had his redemption arc, I was there with him. When the cat has his redemption arc, I want him to die in hell slowly, (laughs) and I want to watch him being tormented by little devils. (laughs) The cat, as I said to Shannon, is, correct me if I'm wrong, chaotic evil? You're correct. And I like a bit of chaotic. But there was so much evil. So much e- overpowering, Overpoweringly evil. Is this a good time to go into our theory about the film? Let's just do a quick recap of the plot, I think. <laughs> the plot such as it is. To set the scene, uh, we're in the fictional town of Anvil. That features in our theory later on. The sun would not shine, it was too wet to play, so we sat in the house all that cold, cold, wet day. Yeah. That's the first line of the book. That line is said by the narrator 15 minutes into this movie. It's because, Shannon, they have to add backstory so that we can get engaged with the characters, so we can care for the children. (laughs) So we can know that the mother is a real estate agent, even though I thought she was a hand sanitizer saleswoman. No, she just works for a guy who's obsessed with hand sanitizer. He hates those jams. And he wants to host the staff party at the mother's house. Yes. And he says, if it's as messy as it was last time, I will fire you. You'll be fired, da, 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 he says. Says the guy from Will and Grace. From the, guy, the guy from Will and Grace. And you know the guy? You're the one guy, the guy from Will and Grace. The guy from Will and Grace who wasn't Will. <laughs> the other one? Will and Grace and the other one? Jack. Will and Grace and Jack. It's Jack. Uh, Sean, I don't know his last name. Of the Dead? Sean of the Dead. Sean, Jack from Will and Grace wants to go to the woman's house (laughs) for a staff party. If it's messy, he'll fire her. And she's like, "Uh uh-oh, that's a problem because my children are hella messy. So uh, cut to the children, this brief recap. You've got Sally. She's straight-laced. We'll talk about her later. She's played by Dakota Fanning. She fares the best out of the actors in this film. And she's a good kid, but she's a bit of a suck-up. And then there's Conrad, who is just a bit of an unruly child. He likes to do japes, he likes to make mess. And that's okay, but it's 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 messing with the family plans. Because you've got this, guy, this character, Larry. Larry the neighbour. But I'm going to be calling him Alec Baldwin. Because it's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and he hates Conrad, he wants to marry the mum and send Conrad to boarding school. There's whole Military conflict. school. That's it. Military school, which I assume will be boarded. Yes. Yes. So there's a bit of a conflict there. And uh, the mother has to leave the children uh, in the house for a day while she goes back to work um, and hopes they don't make a mess because in the evening there's a party. 
you want to take it from here, Shannon, for a bit? I wish I could remember anything that happened in this movie. No, I don't. I want to forget it as soon as I possibly can. Meow! Um, the mother leaves them at home with a babysitter. The most long-suffering character in this entire movie... Yeah. Mrs. Kwan, who mostly... The movie is awful to her. Mm. She's asleep for most of it. <laughs> Mrs. Kwan is a babysitter, and it's... They're, they're horrible and racist to her f- throughout. She's there and she falls asleep, so she's not really an active part of the movie. Yeah. Which leaves room for the true babysitter of the film to come into the fore. The cat in the hat. The cat in the freaking hat. Who immediately, they hear a thump, and instead of the cat being at the door, which is what happens in the picture book, and yes, I'm going back to the source text on this. Um, he's in the closet of their upstairs room, and they open the closet, and there's no one in there, and they turn around, and he's behind them, and yeah. then they scream and run away, which, you know, is natural, because he's horrifying. And then he, everywhere they go, he's just there. Yeah. And it's, it's horrifying. He's lingering like a bad fart. Yeah. <laughs> he's... Which is, could be a joke from this movie. <laughs> it's, it's a bad movie. Um, Mike Myers plays the cat, and it's exactly as you might expect that to be. Um, he's in just, like, a full-body fuzzy suit with white face makeup and... And regular human teeth. And regular teeth and a weird little nose. And a strange Brooklyn accent. Yeah. um, Apart from when he's doing a racial stereotype. Yep, he's just very Mike Myers about the whole thing. He kept saying things that just didn't make a lot of sense, and I ended up Googling it, and they were, like, lines from other Mike Myers films, such as um, Austin Powers. Like, I don't know how those jokes played with the kids in 2003. (laughs) I certainly didn't recognize them back in the old 2003. Uh... (laughs) Um, so, well, yeah, more is dialogue later, because boy does he say some things. Yeah. Um, basically, at this point, he just, the point of the movie is that he just trashes the house, and the mother has set firm guidelines on not, not trashing the house, especially the living room. But they make cupcakes, and the stuff goes everywhere when they're trying to make cupcakes. They jump on the sofa, and then all the cupcake mixture goes onto the walls. And then Alec Baldwin senses something's up, comes in the house sees the mess and gets sassed out the door by the kids. And then the cat introduces thing one and thing two under the promise that they will clear up the house. Thing one and thing two, if you don't know the original story, are these little, little imps. Yeah. Sort of. With, like, blue hair. And they look like chihuahua faces. Yeah. Um, and they do the opposite of what they're told, and they mess a house up even more. And... This is when he's cracked open our second and last beers, and I'm still nursing it now. Yeah, at this point, to the thing one and thing two have come out of a big box, and they've lost the lock for the box, and the box is opening of its own volition, and the cat says... That inside the box is the mother of all messes, so they have to find the lock. And they spend most of the rest of the movie chasing the lock, which has become attached to the collar of the family dog who's run away. Yeah, he also calls the crate trans-dimensional and tells Conrad not to touch it. Yeah. So this suggests to me that Cat's from a parallel universe. Yes. He says that he's from wherever the box is from which is the Philippines, and he says, yes, but a different Philippines. 
So the cat is from an alternate universe. Yeah. Um, maybe one where this movie is good. Is there such a universe? Is there one? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor cat lost in space. The dog has gone missing and the dog has got the key to the crate. Alec Baldwin sees the dog running down the street and resolves to find it, take it to the mother at work, and prove once and for all that Conrad is a bad boy and should be sent to military school to get shot and die. They eventually get the dog back and then close the box, but the house is wrecked. And then the cat comes in with his little machine and cleans up the whole house and everything is fine. And Alec Baldwin is still covered in purple goo from the messy house and the mother dumps him because he's covered in purple goo. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the movie ends. I hate it when guys come to my door covered in purple goo with a marriage proposition. Yeah. yeah. No. Just get out of my house. How many times do I have to say... If you're covered in purple gunk, I don't want to see your face on my te- on my porch again. <laughs> I'm a successful real estate agent. I don't need this in my life. My boss is so afraid of germs. If I come in with gunk on me, I'm out the door. This is very relatable. To yeah, me yeah. As a real estate agent. As a successful real estate agent who also sells hand sanitizer. You on don't the know side. if this is true unless you're my friend. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, all is well because the children have learned some lessons. Sally's learned to not be such a control freak. Conrad has learned that sometimes there are rules that shouldn't be broken and um, they have fixed their relationship with their mother and they're now carefree and are happy. Even though, like, it was clearly trying to do sort of a Mary Poppins thing, but in Mary Poppins, Mr. Banks also learns stuff. Yeah. In this one, the mother has no idea of what's happening for the entirety of the film. And she has nothing to learn. She's doing a good job. (laughs) She's doing a good job. (laughs) I think. I think? I don't know. I'm not clear. She's the best damn real estate agent in town. Alec Baldwin says so. That's true, and if Alec Baldwin said it... (laughs) (laughs) As long as he's not covered head to toe in gunk. I will take his word. So that's the plot of the film that we just watched. We had to take a few breaks just to be like, did he say that? And I need to go to the toilet and just sit and think about my life. (laughs) I considered my life choices so many times while watching this movie. I am so sorry I made you watch this, Shannon. (laughs) I'm sorry I watched it with my own two eyes. (laughs) I've already, I feel like I took it less of a hit because I've already seen it as a child. I'm changed. I was getting good grades and enjoying my life until I saw this movie and then I became a bad kid. Naughty, naughty <laughs> kid. But it's all okay now because I'm a real estate agent. Yeah, a very successful one. The best, best damn, damn one, one in, in the town. city. <laughs> <laughs> in the town of Anvil. So, there's so much to talk about. There are the characters and the dialogue and the, the darkness But I think we should start with our theory. So, it wasn't long after this movie started that the theory emerged that the cat was... Well, it started with the cat being an alien, because this came from the box being transdimensional. Well, it started with the cat being like Mary Poppins. Yeah. But yes. 
So we think this movie is what would happen if you sucked all the joy out of both Mary Poppins and It and then mashed them together. Yeah. We think that the cat is Pennywise's less reasonable twin brother. (laughs) And that when Pennywise crash landed from space, he landed in Derry, where it is um, based. I was going to say filmed as if it's a real thing. (laughs) Uh, and the town of Anvil is in the neighbouring valley where the cat crashed. Because they have the same energy. They... Except somehow Pennywise, the clown from It, is more charming, kinder, yeah. and just generally more of a fun guy, fun time pal I just than the think cat. Pennywise is more honest about his intentions. Yeah. And the cat threatens to kill people no less than eight times we in counted this movie. Eight times. It's eight. We can go through some of them if you would like. So one time, the, the cat is, is, is mimicking a cooking show for the children. And the scene is just incredibly bizarre. You've got this kind of... The cat is playing multiple characters. He's playing himself watching the show. He's playing this kind of um, homely American sweater-wearing character who's introducing uh, a guest who's a Cheshire cat, very funny, ha ha ha, who's uh, a northern northern English-sounding cat who has a cupcake machine. And the American cat keeps on trying to get the English cat to repeat things. And then the English cat threatens two times to murder him <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> With this horrible, very maniacal glint in his eye. <laughs> it's just, he's deadly serious. What is it that he says the it first says, time? I'll kill you and I'll make it look like a bloody accident. I'm gonna get you and I'll make it look like a bloody accident. <laughs> That's one of them. And then the second time he actually has a carving knife and he's like, don't push me, I'll kill you. <laughs> he says this. He says it. And then he chops off his own tail and says, son of a bitch, and only at the end of the word bitch, at the very, very, very last nanosecond of the word bitch, do they bleep it out. Children, listen to this. This is why I'm going around saying son of a bitch all the time, because this this movie made me think it was okay to say. Yeah, the cat in the hat told you it was fine. I'm scared to hear my voice back on this episode, because I feel like I just escalated a lot. (laughs) And the cat tries several times to... To kill the dog. When the dog escapes with the lock set to his collar and they want to catch the dog, the cat says that he's going to kill the dog, I think, three times. The first time he's holding a garden hoe and says, time to die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's holding it over this tiny dog. And then afterwards, he looks at the hoe and says, you dirty hoe. This is actual dialogue in a children's movie. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Yeah, because I watched it since 2003, so I would have been nine years old, ten years old when I was watching it. I, 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 is, is this why I swear? <laughs> is this why I do the swears? <laughs> it, I feel like children today are protected from bad words. <laughs> Not us. Not us. We were thrown to the mercy of Mike Myers. I could be so good and pure. Shannon, were it not for this kind of movie, yeah, it's it's deeply inappropriate. He's it's very very sexual throughout the course of the movie. Uh, when he is first exploring the house, he sees a picture of the children's mother, 
and make some disgusting noises towards her. It's just like, who are those jokes for? Like, adults in the theater who will get that joke are horrified to be in this movie. Yeah. Children who might be enjoying it are not going to get the joke. No. So who is that joke pitched at? There's another joke in here where he's a a rave and Paris Hilton is there. Paris Hilton, out of real life, if you remember her, (laughs) is dancing sexily by by a pole in front of a cat for, I feel like, a minute. Yeah. Why? Why why were the were the children of 2003 thinking, "Oh my god, that's Paris Hilton." I don't think so. I knew of her. I couldn't recognize her. No. She had some perfumes out. I knew that for a fact. I think I was under the impression that Paris Hilton was not real in 2003. Mm. She was like a made-up person. It took me a while to realize that Paris Hilton and Perez Hilton were different people. It took me ages to realize that as well. Because people were like really ragging on Perez Hilton. I was like, poor Paris. <laughs> but yeah, different, different people. Different people. Both quite despicable in different <laughs> ways, to be fully honest. But yeah, she's in that movie. No, it's it's fairly horrible. Yeah. It's kind of all there is to say. It, It's bad. Let's go through the characters maybe some more. You got Conrad. Conrad. The two children, Conrad and Sally, are the most calming presences in this movie. Yeah. At the beginning, when it was just them, it was fine. It would have been fine. Yes. The two young actors are both still doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I'm glad they weren't traumatized having to be on set with Mike and Myers dressed really as a cat. honest, a lot of the time they did look quite horrified. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for them. Poor babies. This was not... This couldn't have been good. Yeah, at the beginning, for like the first ten minutes, we were sort of seeing ourselves in their characters. Like, Mm -hmm. Sally has a little sort of to-do list for her life. Like, be more spontaneous. Investigate grad school. (laughs) (laughs) That's us. (gasps) And Conrad is a charming little ragamuffin. Mm -hmm. But boy, do they get run through the mill. Yeah. Yeah, nothing that happens is their fault, really. No. There's also the fish, also voiced by Sean Hayes. Yes. Jack from Will and Grace. Um, Horrible CGI creation, the fish. Yeah. Bad job. Bad, bad fish. But I, I, this fish was the voice of reason. He was like the straight man. Yeah. It was, the fish was trying to be the Figaro of this movie. The Figaro. If you remember our Pinocchio. Please go back and listen to episode one of Cursed or Blessed. Back then, when we still had hope. Then two, three, four, and five. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, always ex- trying to explain the evils of the cat throughout the film. And he's right. He's so right. And he should say it. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh, fish, you're such a square. But it's, he's not. It's he's hip to be square. It's hip to be square. Just like Huey Lewis in the news teaches us. Which is on the same playlist that I was listening to earlier that had Stacy's mum and Teenage Dirtbag. I was listening to Hip to be Square earlier today. From the same playlist. It's yes. a good playlist. It's a good playlist. Uh, and you've got the mother of Alec Baldwin. And that's kind of it. It's a very character sparse yeah. thing. There's Mrs. Kwan, who gets a lot of airtime. Let's talk about her for a second. I feel really bad. I feel bad about everything that happens to Mrs. Kwan. 
She is a Taiwanese babysitter who likes to have a nap and the only dialogue she really has is at the beginning when she's watching TV, she's watching a really poor dis dis depiction of Taiwanese politics, falls asleep during it and then just gets, her body gets used in this unconscious state many times as a log flume ride. She gets like hung up in the closet for most of the movie, like she's a coat or something. People sit on her and jump on her. It's, it's really bad. It's awful. And she didn't deserve that. No, indeed she did not. She was, she was very nice in the dialogue that she had. Yeah. But I, I feel like the other characters were not developed fully because they wanted it to be the cat show. And yeah. what a mistake that was. Tim Allen was meant to be the cat. That would have been better. I think it would have been. And just because it wouldn't have been Mike Myers sort of remixing his greatest hits. Which, were they that great? They weren't. And also while wearing a cat suit. He, I mentioned this very early in the movie after he showed up. Often the cat will say something and then do this, like, forced wheezy laugh after it. Like that... this. <laughs> like that. Like so that. Funny. I bet that sounded really good when you listen to that through the headphones. Oh. Exactly like that. And it, it makes everything so much worse because you have to see the very bad joke and then hear him laugh at it and also watch him laugh and also hear him say oh yeah yeah so many times and yeah i i just i don't understand the series of choices that went into that no but i do have a fun fact about his costume do tell. and that is it was filmed in summer in california and it was so hot for mike myers that they had to install air conditioning for the cat suit they installed a hose that blew cold air into the suit between shots <laughs> to keep him nice and cool. <laughs> the ears and tail were moved by batteries. This is another similarity to Pennywise. Yeah. That, like, it was so hot they had to dump ice water down the back of his neck while really? he was filming. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Poor Pennywise. <laughs> it, too, was a better movie than this. How many podcast episodes can we get away with talking about It too? <laughs> it too was the first movie we saw as flatmates together, and it's reached legendary status in this house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fully blessed film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe it can get its own episode, I don't know. No, children aren't watching It. <laughs> But they, they've made the cat terrifying, and on one hand, I think they were trying to do that. On the other hand, I feel like they were trying to make him charismatic and relatable. I think this movie didn't know what it was trying to do, and I think it didn't know who it was for. Yeah. Like, all of the, the weird references to other stuff Mike Myers has done, which, like, if you're watching this movie as a kid, was this before or after Shrek? Good question. I believe it was before Shrek. So, like, what are you going to know Mike Myers from as a kid? Um, the kids need to recognize the actors in their movies. This though. was after Shrek. Shrek was 2001. This was after Shrek? Yeah. Oh, how the mighty fell. Yeah, but before Shrek too. Oh. Mike. Mike. Come on, man. 
Um, yeah, Shrek was 2001. So that's the thing that kids will know the Mike Myers voice from maybe, but he's putting on an accent in Shrek. So any child who two years previously watched Shrek and is now watching The Cat in the Hat is not understanding any of these references. No. Not understanding any of the very sexual jokes. Like, what jokes are landing for kids in this? Let's see, what did I remember from when I was a child? I remembered when he was trying to pretend to be a mechanic by going and fixing the underside of the sofa. Mm-hmm. I remember him threatening to kill the dog. Yeah. I remember the fart jokes. I remember him throwing around a fish. And I remember Alec Baldwin picking his nose. <laughs> I was nine. <laughs> what do you expect? Well, exactly. Though, okay, the cat threatened to kill people. Can we talk about the the much memed scene of the cat holding the baseball bat? Oh, the pinata scene. The pinata where he's fully gonna murder a child. Okay, this whole scene is freaked up. Yeah. So I'm not gonna swear because the cat in the hat's told me to swear and I'm gonna try and nick that habit. <laughs> um, it's a freaked up scene. It's hecked up to heck. <laughs> So, they're hanging out outside a child's birthday party. Don't ask why, it's a whole thing. Um, And they go round into the garden where the children are about to play piñata. And they need to hide because the children are going outside. And there's a giant cat, humanoid cat piñata hung up on the tree. And the cat thinks, I'm going to put this piñata on the ground and I'll pretend to be the piñata because that's the best way to hide right now. Which doesn't make any sense. Uh, so the children are all hitting him with bats, and he's pretending to be a piñata. And then this smarmy-looking smug kid comes up, and <laughs> he picks up a baseball bat and he hits him in the nuts, in the ball sack. In that's where it hurts. I've heard <laughs> tales. Tales have been told about how much that hurts, Shannon. Uh, as this scene began, and they all picked up the baseball bats, you were just like, oh, they're going to hit him in the nuts with a baseball bat, aren't they? And we just had to wait. Yep. And it happened. But then he, so, he feels so wronged by that that he he, he, he he does something quite naughty. Do you want to take this one, Shannon? He picks up, after they let the cat down, they like throw out a bunch of candy for the kids to go swarm and the cat gets down from the string that he was somehow on. I don't, I don't want to think about the logistics of anything that happens in this movie. Um, he picks up the baseball bat and, like, he's fully gonna hit the kid. You've probably seen this this in memes of the cat holding the baseball bat above <laughs> his head. Um, and then the, the two little kids, Sally and Conrad, have to, like, drag him away from this group of small children. Before he commits a murder. Before he commits a murder! The cat is the villain. The cat is... The worst brother of Pennywise. He, yeah. I think Pennywise is protecting Derry, like a mob protection racket. Like, if as, if you let me eat a couple of kids every 30 years, then I won't let my weird-ass brother into this town. Like, I think that's what's happening. <laughs> and then, okay, here's in this theory. You've got the cat and Pennywise have landed on Earth from space. And they have their own sort of messed up things going on. The cat is more messed up. 
and in London, their sister Mary Poppins has been dropped. And she's doing it right. She turns up every 30 years and protects children and gives them whimsy and wonder. She has the same magic powers as the hat. She has a bag that is un- can hold store unlimited items. It's like the cat's hat. She can take kids to like fantasy worlds and sing fun songs that aren't Smash Mouth songs. <laughs> and the cat in the hat is a flit around Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins is the good sister, and the cat and Pennywise are naughty brothers. Yeah, but the cat being easily the worst one. Which he shouldn't be. Yeah. Dear Lord. <laughs> and you did mention most of the songs in this film are sung by Smash Mouth. Mm. <laughs> this hurts me even more that it's two years after Shrek. Yeah. What a fall. Yeah. Come on, Smash Mouth. Come on, Smash Mouth. You gave us All-Star, and then you gave us whatever the hell was happening in this movie. It wasn't even... Like, sometimes you get a bad movie with a good song kind of slapped onto it, but these were, like... They were also bad songs. Yeah. They were just grating and... With a really strange accent, too. (laughs) Like... You have to admit, it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. (laughs) What is that? I don't know. I mean, I was also doing it wrong. That's, that's the, that's the Anvil Town accent. Welcome to Anvil. (laughs) We like shops and real estate and capitalism. And hand sanitizer. And hand sanitizer. Is this maybe... I feel like this was the movie that should have been like, stop trying to make Dr. Seuss things into movies. And the widow of Dr. Seuss apparently agreed. <laughs> um, because after this movie, she put a moratorium on people making live-action <laughs> remakes of Dr. Seuss books. This is why it stopped, I think. Yeah, she's the true hero of this story. Because it was a long break until we got the Lorax and Horton Hears a Who. But those were animated, too. They were animated and a bit better, although I think still sucky. Yeah, not good, but not bad in the same way as this movie. Yeah. They weren't... Lorax does not make me want to go and kill trees. Yeah. But this makes me... No, this doesn't make me want to kill cats. It does make me want to kill the cat in the hat, though. This is, 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 I feel like when I was a kid, we owned cats at home. And I feel like there's a lot of anti-cat propaganda out there. Like, cats and dogs, the cats were the villains. In this, the cat is kind of the villain. And it was just giving cats a bad image. And it made me very protective of cats. And I'm quite annoyed again right now. And this is a joke I've made many times before. But I, cats and dogs are good. I, I like to say I'm bipetual. <laughs> I. But 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 this kind of this kind of I want to have many dogs now after watching this. This I, is a dog household only now, Shannon. I'm so allergic to cats. And probably also dogs though. I'm I'm only a little bit allergic to dogs. Okay. But I'm. Just deathly allergic to cats. and Well, I, think, I am now, too. I'm allergic to their attitude. I think I'm this movie to, made it worse. Allergic to their bad accents. I think I was allergic to this movie. They tried to do every single offensive thing with this character, too. It just so many racial stereotypes throughout. Like, for a while he's Mexican. For a while he's 
this Rastafarian character. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Everything you think. I don't know. I don't even know what to do with half the stuff that happened in this movie. Drink to forget? Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. I wish I had more beer. I do, too. I wish I had a coffee. I wish I'd made better, better life choices. <gasps> Halfway through this movie, I wished I'd gotten like a fifth of tequila at the shop instead of some beer. Yeah. This is, I think this is the worst one we've seen. Something I was thinking about though was that I think with this sort of movie, people would be like, oh, well, it's a kid's movie. It's not for you. It doesn't need to be like top quality humor. But the other films we've seen for Cursed or Blurst, have on face value been for children. Mm-hmm. Pinocchio, anyone can watch it, but it's for children. Yeah. Turn to Oz, a kid's movie. Never Ending Story, I think a kid's movie. Yeah. Anastasia, a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory 1 and 2, both definitely children's movies. But this, it's not just that the jokes were bad, it's... Yeah, it's who were they for? It's like they were saying, okay, adults, we respect you. We know you're smart. We know you get jokes. We know you don't want to be here watching a Dr. Seuss movie in a cinema. So we're going to throw in some, like, sex and murder jokes. But you don't need to do that because you can make quite engaging cinema as is. Like, we're going to see Frozen 2 soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think Paris Hilton strips in Frozen 2. <laughs> I just don't think she does. I think we can make a strong prediction right now. And we can call this a spoiler alert that Paris Hilton does not strip in Frozen 2. Yeah, cut to next week's episode of Cursed or Blurt where we review Frozen 2 and we're like, okay, we were wrong. <laughs> there was so much stripping in Frozen 2. <laughs> wow, were they not cold? <laughs> Paris Hilton was still doing stuff. I didn't realise that Olaf had anything else to take off. <laughs> okay. Um, but but you don't, it seems like disrespectful to, and this I think epitomises a lot of early 2000s kids mm. shows um, where it's like, okay, okay, adults, we're in, in on the joke. Mm-hmm. This is, we'll throw in some nods to you. We'll make this pop culture heavy so that you can get something out of it while your idiot kids are watching the fun colours and goofs. Mm-hmm. It feels like a way overkill version of the like occasional nod you'd get in like Looney Tunes or the Muppets or something like that where you'd get occasionally like a political joke or something that can be taken two ways that's like funny to kids but also funny in a different way to adults yeah that really works for that kind of cartoon or show because it's still generally pitched at kids and occasionally just acknowledges that there are also like parents in the audience yeah but this movie has at least three over boner jokes yeah which is too many boner yeah. jokes for a movie about the cat in the hat <laughs> who reviewed the script and yeah I I agree with your assessment of disrespectful to to children because it's not for children I don't think Mm -hmm. but also what adult is enjoying this movie it's disrespectful to if it's for a family it's it's disrespectful to anyone in the family seeing that film Mm -hmm. it's disrespectful for the children because it's not um, catering to them in a charming way or even a funny way and it's disrespectful to the adults for assuming that they wouldn't enjoy an animated or well it's not animated but like a a 
child-geared film. Yeah. Yeah, and you can have a, a film geared toward children that's very charming for adults. Every Christmas, my family and I watches The Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. That's a charm. It's a fully blessed film. Oh, it's fully blessed. I love it so for much. For children. Yeah. That has child jokes in it. Yeah. For children. No one in my family is a child anymore. My little brother is 20. Like, there is... You... Yeah, you don't need to... You don't need to do whatever this movie was doing. No, it's completely unnecessary. There's no one that this movie exists for. The movies that hold up the most are the ones that are pitched correctly to everyone in a family. If it's a family film. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why... It's difficult to remember many good children's movies from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are some that kind of very, very closely tiptoe that line. And I'm talking Shrek and Ice Age. Yeah. They throw in some adult jokes, but they do also have some heart and they're clever in some kind of a way. Yeah. I would watch them again now as an adult. Yeah. The, the only circumstance under which I would watch Cat in the Hat as an adult would be if I were running a podcast about childhood <laughs> movies where I thought this might be cursed, <laughs> hypothetically speaking. I, I wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, there is n- the only power that could get me to watch The Cat in the Hat was the power of we have to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> so you better have seen it. <laughs> And the good thing is, at least people who have seen it have it seared into their memories in some way. Yeah. Like, I was watching scenes and I was like, oh, this. <laughs> oh, no, this. Especially when they're riding around on Mrs. Kwan, like, oh. in a log flume kind of style in this alternate dimension when they go through the crates. They're in this kind of fantasy land themed around the house and Mrs. Kwan is their boat. And in a few a few movies that we've watched now... There's been a a ride type scene where they're on a boat or they're sledding or that kind of thing and you're like, oh, this is meant to be a ride for Disney or Mm -hmm. something like one of the theme theme parks. And they spell it out for you in this one. I said to you, Shannon, I was like, this is like a ride. They're trying to make this a ride. And then Conrad in the movie says, it's like a ride in in, in an amusement park. I can't speak today. And then the cat is, like, like at Universal Studios and holds up a little leaflet and winks at the camera. Like, it's not, it's not cute. No. It's just awful. It's, it's mommy. It's a deeply cynical movie. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the vibe of a lot of this sort of tone of movie. These, like, yeah. early 2000s kids movies that are, like, ostensibly pitched at adults but in a very ham-handed way. Yeah. Um, they're incredibly cynical, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of misrepresenting why it is that adults can still enjoy children's films. Yeah. Like, we're fully gonna go see Frozen 2, and we're gonna have a hell of a time. Yes. And, and Shannon's gonna try warm, sweet popcorn for the first time in her life. And it's gonna be blessed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like children's cinema has kind of clawed its way back. Yes. Like, sincere children's cinema, with the occasional nod to the adults in the room. Yes. That isn't alienating to children. If I were a child in... No, if I were a parent of 10-year-old children in the early 2000s, I would have hated going to the cinema. And I kind of had that a bit. My brother is six years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So, for some movies, I kind of went along being too old for the demographic of the film because I would kind of tag along to the movies uh, and I'd be like god 
this trope is being used again. Oh, okay. A sex joke. Oh, a fart joke. Boring. And I'd get annoyed at these kind of nods to more, like, mature humour. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, Over the Hedge. Mm. I remember seeing that with my brother and it was, like, super annoying. Yeah, it's an annoying film. Madagascar, to some extent. I That's hate Madagascar. Kind of time that stupid movie. Where I was, like, too old to be there. So I was kind of, like, with the parents. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, saw, um, I saw Over the Hedge in the cinema with friends and we were the only ones in the cinema yeah and we were just like running around and throwing popcorn at each other oh no <laughs> you you absolute menaces yeah i'd report you to the cinema police well it's fair you should have <laughs> <laughs> don't you don't shannon when we go and see frozen 2 this weekend please do not throw popcorn at the other children <laughs> no it, promises here's something i'm quite worried about when we go and see frozen 2 is that Shannon and I have have a 100% track record of going into the wrong screening whenever we go and see a film, which granted has only been two times. The first time we were going to see a film called Hotel Artemis, which I won't get into right now because that could be a whole description of that film. Um, we went to see it because it has Jeff Goldblum in it, and we are part of the Jeff Goldblum committee. Yeah which is a thing consisting of only the two of us. I'm not going to go into that. Could be, it could also be a whole thing. So we were going to see Hotel Artemis, but we go into this other screen uh, thinking that that's the one movie that we're going to see. And it's quite full. And we sit towards the back and I tell Shannon all about this other movie that I've seen a week before with a group of other people, a movie called The Drift. And I'm not going to say what happens in this movie <laughs> In case you want to see it. You shouldn't. It's bad. It's about a boating accident. And there's a twist. There's a horrible psychological twist that happens about two-thirds of the way through and everyone gasps and it's horrible. It's, like, so stupid. So I'm there complaining to Shannon about this twist. I don't know if I'm doing volume control. It's a, it's a busy cinema. There's people all around us. And then, and then ten minutes later it's after all the ads the movie starts and the title screen pops up and we're like this seems really similar to the beginning of a drift that are they also having a boating accident in the beginning of hotel artemis this is the same as a drift and then i was like shannon this is a drift it at least grabs my arm and just goes this is a drift <laughs> And I've told Shannon the whole twist. The people around us surely must have heard me talking about the twist to this awful movie. And then we have to bail and go find the right cinema for Hotel Artemis. So then, a year later... Yep, a full-ass year. A full-ass year, a full-ass different continent. <laughs> we're going to the cinema down from our flat um, to see it, too. Um, and we're paranoid as hell about going into the wrong cinema from the mistake. get-go. We've made that mistake before. So we go in, and we get our ticket scanned, and the guy says, oh, the theater's not ready yet, but it's theater seven. And we were like, okay, well, we'll just wait. And we wait around for a bit, poke around the area, because we haven't been to the cinema before, come back about 20 minutes before it's supposed to start, and then he scans our ticket again and says it's cinema three. So we go in... And we walk into Cinema 3, and we sit down, and the trailers are already playing. Yeah. And it's full of people 
who are old. It's the wrong demographic, and a trailer for David Copperfield is playing, and we both are like, something is deeply wrong here. Yeah. Our spidey sense is tingling. And we go to our seats, and the seats are already taken, and instead of asking the people to move, we just walk out and stand <laughs> in the hallway and are like, did we go into the wrong cinema again? I don't know. Until I eventually go up and to the guy and say, Hey, sorry, like, I'm a total idiot, I forgot. What cinema is it too in? Oh, seven! It wasn't in the three at all, so then we walk into the right cinema in time for the movie this time. Because Hotel Artemis we missed ten minutes of. Yeah. Um, and thankfully we hadn't already seen the Downton Abbey film and revealed the horrible, <laughs> horrible psychological twist that happens two thirds of the way through. When Downton falls into a crater. Yeah. Um, to be eaten by the sandworms. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if only I'll go and see it. Sandworms. Downton Abbey's the prequel to Dune, didn't you know? <laughs> <laughs> They're trading in the spice. I was waiting for the Abbey to fall. Just. Well, all that to say. <laughs> we went a long way away from Cat in the Hat to avoid talking about it. Double check your tickets before going to the cinema, kids. That's what we're really here to say. We are batting zero for going into the right cinema, so we're going to have to triple check before going into Frozen 2. And boy, has that cat taught us how to bat. (laughs) 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 That cat is... I would honestly rather face Pennywise. Yeah. Yeah. 100% would rather just be eaten by a clown. I do not know how I would defeat the cat. How would you defeat the cat? I don't know, because they defeat Pennywise by laughing at him, but they laugh at the cat, and it only makes him more powerful. What if you acted scared of him? But they do that at the beginning, and that doesn't do anything. He's invincible. How do you you defeat Mary Poppins? (laughs) Silver bullets. Oh no! She's a werewolf. <laughs> I think you need a wooden stake through the heart to kill the cat. Oh, but he has nine lives. We well, gotta do it nine times. It's gonna be, it's a long haul, but it's worth it. I would kill him time and time again. We'll just do it like Rasputin. We got plenty of ideas last week. Okay. Two um, weeks ago. So the cat threatens to kill people eight times. What if he's trying to avenge the eight times that he's been murdered and now he's on his last life? This is his last life, like Voldemort in the Horcruxes. Yes, good. You just have to stab his hat, the source yeah. of all his power. It is. I hate the implications that this movie has brought up parallel universes. Because the cat insists that he's from a parallel version of the Philippines. So... <sighs> So there's parallel universes in the Dr. Seuss universe. Is Cat in the Hat in the same universe as Jim Carrey's The Grinch? I think so. He's gotta be. I want to see a fist fight between The Grinch and the cat. I feel like... But I think the cat would win. Yeah. The cat is stronger. The cat... has an air-conditioned suit. The cat regularly turns and hits people with his tail and flings them into walls. Yeah. Um, he chopped off his own tail and regenerated it. But I feel like the Grinch is scrappy, and he has all that broken glass just lying around. You get him in the eye, you know? 
he's scrappy. The cat is scrappy too. Yeah. He's chaotic evil. I don't think the Grinch stands a chance. I rest in peace, the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> but he has all the town on his side. Yeah. I don't think Anvil cares as much about the cat at the end as the people of Whoville care about the Grinch. Anvil? Whoville? <gasps> Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shannon, who's your favourite character in this uh, here movie? Uh, um, ah, uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm speechless. You're at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words. Um, for me, the fish. Okay, the fish makes sense. I think my favorite character is the town. Yeah, okay. Just the, like, it's nice. It's well designed. It looks a little like the town from Edward Scissorhands. It's a nice backdrop. And when I was upset by the things happening, I could look at the background. Yes. And feel less despair. Because it was professionally made by dedicated people. I'm sorry they had to be a part of this. Yeah, God, it was sad. Who's the true villain of this movie, Elise? Yeah, the cat. And why are you even asking me that? <laughs> the cat is the... The cat. It's the cat. It's trying to make it out to be business. Or Alec Baldwin. No way. No way. I think the cat is the villain, and the secondary villain is the military. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. Cats in the army. Scary. Both of them. Shannon, I feel like I don't need to ask you this question, but it's part of our brand. (laughs) Do you think this movie was cursed, blessed, or blessed? This is the most cursed movie I've ever seen. Are you being hyperbolic? I'm not being hyperbolic. The worst I, you've ever seen. I said cursed. It's the most cursed. Um, I think the only movie that comes close... I'm trying to remember the name of it. I watched it when I was a kid and I thought it was cursed then. The Benchwarmers. I couldn't tell you what the plot is or even what sport the characters are warming the bench of. Maybe baseball. Um, (laughs) I just remember going to see it and spending the whole time deeply uncomfortable, but I was trying to seem cool. Ah. Um, But it has been quite some time since I've seen that. But other than that, Cat in the Hat is up there as one of the most cursed things I've ever put in in my brain. That's not to say it won't be defeated by a later cursed film. Or Frozen 2. Or Frozen 2. We don't know what we have in store. (laughs) Um... Yeah, no, I I think this is, uh, okay. Here's the thing. I didn't like it. Was I more engaged in this movie than I was with Return to Oz or The NeverEnding Story? Yeah. I don't, I think I was more engaged, but actively trying to be less engaged. Right, yes, those, yeah, we got sucked in and we didn't want to be sucked in. Yeah. Like, it was a different experience. Like, Return to Oz and NeverEnding Story had this dullness to them, but this had this kind of... The Cat in the Hat had this hypnotic sort of evil to it. Oh, how we longed for the dullness of Return to Oz. And we're calling it dull. We're talking about someone who can remove her head and replace it with other heads. We're talking about electroshock therapy. We're calling that dull. Yeah. We've seen some things in our time. We've changed. I'm really sorry I've brought you into this 
podcasting world, Jen. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I want to be charmed again. I want to experience joy again. So we're going to do something a little bit different next week with how we uh, select a movie. Mm-hmm. So we now have an Instagram account called Cursed or Blurst. If you search Cursed or Blurst or lowercase on Instagram, you can find us. And I'll also link to it in our Podbean, Cursed or Blurst at podbean.com. We're also available on Spotify and also iTunes. I don't know why I haven't told you this information in the first place. We're available on things to listen to. You know this already. You're listening to us on one thing. Um, You can listen to us on so many other things, wherever you get your podcast, or at least three places of those. (laughs) Um, And you can find our Instagram account. And we'll be holding a poll uh, at some point in time to determine the next movie. We don't know which movies we're going to select next, but I'm feeling a musical. Mm. I'm feeling going back in time, because I feel like we've ventured into the 21st century, and I want to get the heck out of it. Yeah, I want to go back. Take us back. (laughs) I want out of my childhood in the early 2000s. Take us back to the halcyon days of bad history. (laughs) So, well, you, you can have some musicals to select from. I cannot wait. Neither can I. And in the meantime, we're going to see Frozen 2. And we'll feel joy again. I hope. What if my Myers is in this? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Myers is playing Olaf's father in Frozen no! 2. There's no escape. Oh, God. I'd hate that so much. I would too. So, I hope that you have felt some joy in your day. We haven't. Well, I, I, I was feeling joyful at the beginning of the day, and it's been crushed. Yeah, me too. I feel like my joy has been strung up like a piñata and hit in the nuts. <laughs> and then sought a vengeance on a small child. <laughs> and now I feel bad for contemplating murder. It's a whole thing. So you should watch Cat in the Hat, because it's quite nostalgic. Thank you for listening to Cursed or Blurst. See you next week, folks. Bye.